From the Iola Register, I'm Tim Stauffer. And I'm Richard Lucan. And this is Registered. Bob Johnson began working at the Iola Register on July 6, 1964. Fifty-six years later, almost to the day, he penned his last Week's End column in the July 11th edition of the Register. In this week's podcast, Richard and I talk with Bob about what he's seen and learned over a lifetime of journalism. Remarkably enough, Bob only encountered three editors over the course of his career. My great-uncle Angelo, my grandfather Emerson, and my mother, Susan Lynn. But in terms of content, well, Bob's articles number in the tens of thousands, covering everything from football to city council meetings to slugs. Yes, slugs. Here's our conversation. What are you doing now without a... Well, I wake up every morning on Saturday. And, uh, <laughs> I go to coffee at 9 o'clock. It's, that's something I've been doing for since I kind of went to part-time. <clears throat> and uh, usually I'm the youngest person there at 77. Uh, but I've, uh, part of the reason I go is because I learn a lot. I think most people, uh, they should spend more time talking to their elders because... Uh, a couple of them are in their 90s and two or three in their 80s, and I've learned a lot. Learned a lot about Humboldt, learned a lot about uh, how Monarch worked, learned about, about Ag. That I already knew quite a bit about Ag, but I've learned more. And um, we just have a great time. We, we uh, drink coffee, and I usually eat breakfast, oatmeal or gravy and biscuit or something. And um, we drink coffee until about 10 o'clock, and some, somebody will say, well, time's up. One of them has to get home to watch The Price is Right. And uh, so then we go home, and the rest of the day, I just kind of do whatever I want to. Been doing a little arrowhead hunting, uh, some metal detecting, although the heat's kind of shut down on those activities. But been helping Beverly quite a bit. We, uh, one day this week, we uh, defrosted a, ref- uh, fr- we have a little freezer, upright freezer, and I thought, well, that'll take an hour or so. Five la- hours later, we finish. And uh, it takes a long time to melt that ice, even on hot days. But, uh, Bob, you... we, can I interrupt here? Pardon? We searched your um, name in our digital archives and found, as you can guess, close to 10,000 articles you know, associated with your name over the years. I mean, it's just been an expansive array of subjects, and the breadth and depth make me think that you've been a lifelong learner and that's what I'm assuming has kept you interested in journalism and working at the register for so long it's just kind of what I see as an insatiable curiosity yeah. where, where, where does that spring from and how did you well, kept that yeah, it's kind of the way my dad was uh, my dad retired when he was you know, about six years old from Monarch he was a plant superint- uh, production foreman and uh, he worked nights, and he probably would have waited a little longer, but he never did like working nights. But anyhow, after he retired, he uh, he always read a lot also, and subscribed to Smithsonian, National Geographic, and several magazines like that. And I, I think he uh, always wanted to keep learning. He died when he was 79, so he spent close to 20 years, and he was particularly interested in the medical field. He was a 
He was a medic during World War II and landed at Normandy. And, but uh, I guess that's where I got it from because I've been a reader ever since. I think what really spawned the reading as much as anything, in third grade, there were three of us that were picked out as not being good readers and it embarrassed the dickens out of me and we had to stay after school and read to the teacher. So that summer I, I played a lot, but I spent a lot of time reading and I got to where I could read pretty well. Um, and now I read maybe a book a week, two books a week. Right now I'm reading one by Martin Hendricks who grew up in Humboldt, uh, went on to be a teacher and the only white teacher in a black school in Gary, Indiana. <laughs> and which really opened his eyes to the plight of black people. And um, it's a terrific book, real conservative, but terrific. And uh, How do you think the business of the newspaper has changed over the years? Now, you've, you've seen from the days where we had the press in the dark room, and now we do almost all of it through computer, and it's about maintaining a website and social media and podcasts, which we're doing, and so, I mean. Well, for my age, I'm fairly literate, computer literate. I, I look on the computer a lot. I read a lot of stuff on computer, at my home computer. But I, you know, it's, it's a lot more efficient. It opens up opportunities for us to really do more. Uh, I wrote, when on, I started on an old Underwood typewriter, which, you know, they're boat anchors now. They just had to pound the dickens out of them, and every once in a while they'd miss a key, and you have to go back and, and correct it on uh, with a pen, and then it was set and tight, but we don't need to go into all that. It's uh, physically the biggest difference is it's cool here. It used to be hot because of the press and the bolt and lead and all of that. But I think uh, the register in particular, I think is it's is doing about as well as it ever had as far as telling the story of Iola and Allen County. Um, I really like the, what we've done as far as uh, looking uh, more investigative type or uh, long form stories that tell more than just the bare facts. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I think we probably have to go to staff right now if we've ever had. Everybody we have, including you, Tim, and, are good writers, and Susan writes a lot. You know, Emerson just wrote editorials. Although the first six or eight years I was here, <coughs> Emerson and I wrote everything except death and funerals. <laughs> and um, I also did the wire and made up the front page, and it was a lot of long days. I remember times during sports season, because I wrote sports, there was weeks I'd go to basketball games six nights a week, which uh, probably shortchanged my family a little bit. I wish people would pay more attention to the paper and less attention to social media because there's no uh, need to be credible when you write something on social media. And I think that our mission has always been to tell the history of Iola and also to tell it in a factual and a true way. And uh, you know, we make mistakes. And I, when we make a mistake, I've always been eager to correct it if it was mine or or whatever, you know, if someone comes in and says, that's not right, well, we look into it, if it wasn't right, we write a correction. And that's what you ought to do, because you want things correct. Give, give some advice for writing. What makes a good writer? What makes a good journalist? Well, 
You need to be inquisitive. That's probably the main thing. And you also need, as I just said, you need to have the mindset that you don't want to put yourself in the story. You aren't the story. The story is about whomever you write, and uh, or whatever you write. And I've noticed in some, um, probably more on TV news than anything else, it seems a lot or like a lot of reporters insert themselves into the story. And um, Emerson once, and we did this for a year or two. I don't know whether you're here yet, Richard, or not, but uh, we decided we weren't going to put bylines Could on Take stories. the bylines off. Yes, I was, actually. And uh, Emerson said it's the register story, not the individuals. And um, there was one reporter then that didn't like that particularly. And, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, we all like to see our name in print. Uh, you know, it. it Tickled me, I've had a few stories done about me the last few years because I've been able to outlive people. <clears throat> and um, even in all I've written thousands of stories, I, uh, it kind of tickled me to see my name in the paper and have things said about me. And it got me to thinking, that, you know, I call up someone and ask, you know, can I do a story on this, that, or whatever, and they go, oh yeah. And I always thought, well, why are they so excited? It's just a story. But now I understand better after I had stories done about me. You do like to see your picture and your name in the picture. What led you to newspapers? Was that something that you'd even thought about as a kid? Or how'd you, how'd you come well, up? Well, you know, it was by accident, really. Uh, Frank Hemphill was my science teacher in high school. And Frank Hemphill, you know, he probably never got any awards for being a master teacher or anything, but as far as I was concerned, he was the best teacher I ever had in high school or college. He, uh, he's a little more than a teacher. He's almost like a father figure, although I, had a, I came from a good family. Most of us did then. But Bob Works and I and Ron Mittendorf, and four or five of us that took all the sciences. But uh, when I was in high school, I thought, well, I'm going to go into science. And May Stang was my math teacher, and she was terrific, too. And... Um, so uh, she talked me in. Actually, that's why I went to Pittsburgh State, because her sister was head of the math department. And so I went to Pittsburgh State, and um, Jerry Ham was our counselor, and his father-in-law was um, managing editor of the Pittsburgh Sun, which is a morning paper. Then Pittsburgh had two papers, the headlight in the afternoon, the sun in the morning. And they hired college kids to work uh, proofread and actually uh, do some writing. And so um, he called his father-in-law and they called me and I went to work at Pittsburgh Sun reading proof. From, I went to work at four o'clock in the afternoon, got off at midnight. No social life in college, <laughs> uh, which probably was good. Also blamed that on maybe not making quite as good a grade as I could have, but that was more laziness than it was anything else. But anyhow, uh, so I, I got exposed to the newspaper, and a year or so later, um, the fellow that was writing sports at night quit, gave him his two weeks notice. And so uh, Kenny Simons, who was the managing editor, he said, you can have the job. And I said, well, I can't type. I never took typing. He said, well, you're going to have to type. So in two weeks, I learned to type. Really? On my own. Wow. Took the job and wrote sports for the Pittsburgh Sun for, uh, I think, two years. And also, I was editor of the college paper. So I got, I got exposed to journalism. Also decided after calculus that math wasn't for me. 
And uh, again, from laziness more than anything, but then I, I didn't really switch majors. I don't think I'd ever declared a major, but I uh, started taking more English and journalism classes. And I've always been able to write, even when I was a little kid. Uh, I don't know, I guess it's just a God-given talent. And uh, I always tell people, if you want to write, just write like you're telling a story to your mother. But uh, anyhow, the, uh, Angelo Scott called me one day in uh, spring of 64, and Bud Roberts was a sports writer here. And Bud apparently was kind of hard to get along with, but I know he got crosswise with the guys in back, and they, they'd do things they shouldn't have. They'd change words, they'd change uh, word in a headline once in one of his sports stories. It was something about three shifts in the backfield, and they left out the F on purpose. Ooh. And Yikes. he just got furious, but uh, reached the point where he decided he was going to quit. Well, Angelo told me that then he came back, but he said, we're still having trouble. He said, I don't know whether they let him go or he quit again, but now they need the sports writer and someone to do the front page, pull the wire. And then we had a teletype and you uh, pull the wire stories off and decided which ones went in, which was quite a challenge for a 20 year old guy. What matters in the world today? Yeah. And so anyhow, I told uh, Beverly, we'd been going together for years, went together eight years before we got married. And um, I said, I think I'll go up and try it for a year and then maybe we'll decide to get married and go back to Pittsburgh. And you, she was a beautician, you can work down there. And, and they had married housing in World War II barracks with the, they converted to married housing, and I said, we can live down there and have a good time, and I can probably go back to work at the sun, and we can get by, and uh, well, anyhow, after a year, I got to like it pretty well here. And so I thought, well, I'll stay a little bit longer, and she said, well, we can go back to college. We got married in 65, November 20th. Our first date was on November 20th of 57. Where'd and you go? Pardon? Where'd you go? Oh, to the old cabin down at the South Park. We had a little party down there. We played spin the bottle. <laughs> First time I ever kissed a girl. You know, it was really a passionate kid. That was it. We'll be right back. In these uncertain times, many things have changed. Plans have been placed on hold, events and celebrations canceled, but some things shouldn't change, like your goals and dreams. A college education is still your best path forward, and now is a great time to learn online. Allen Community College has been providing award-winning distance education for 20 years. With exciting courses, in-demand programs, and credentialed instructors, Allen Online Learning is the region's leader in quality higher education. Allen is enrolling now, summer sessions begin June 8th, and the fall semester begins August 17th. With one low tuition rate, fall scholarships, and financial aid available, Allen remains accessible and affordable. Visit allencc.edu to learn more. Allen Community College, where more than education, we're opportunity. When you think back on all the stories you've written, I'm sure there have to be a couple that stand out, either for how well you wrote them or how important yeah. Sometimes it seems like the words just kind of fly off your finger. But what are some articles that you think, oh boy? Well, I wrote one about Hal Pinnell once. He was a teacher at the high school. Mm -hmm. And he uh, 
was a tail gunner in a B-17 that got shot down over Europe in the spring of 45. And he spent um, several months in a prison camp. But he said, you know, we were treated pretty good because the Germans knew the war was about it was right over. right at the end, yeah. But he said, we didn't have much to eat. The Germans didn't either. He said, we all ate the same thing. And uh, said, we woke up one morning and the guards were all gone. And an hour or two later, here come the American troops. But anyhow, it was, it was one of those stories that, it was a long form story. I don't probably run 40 inches or so. And, I got a picture of B-17, that was one of the first times we ever kind of got, had some fun with illustrations. I had him make a uh, a picture of the B-17 with a story over the top of it. Remember that. And I had his, uh, he had still had his uh, POW card that he had to carry and we ran a picture of it. It was a great, I, I loved that story. And, uh, Richard, can I turn the question to you? Sure. You've worked with Bob since, obviously, you came here. In yeah. ni- when, when 94, you, 94 or so. What did you learn from Bob? <laughs> uh, it's weird, the little anecdotes he uses, and I don't know if he came up with them or not, but I can remember I wrote a story, and it was I guess it was an old journalist edict that I said he felt they should have acted this way, and Bob says, no, you... Feel with your fingers, you believe with your heart, and you think with your mind. And so you use those three if you say you can't say, well, I I believe I'm gonna have or whatever. I'm I, I and that those are just little things like that, little thing and you can always uh, the redundancies that I would inevitably put in my articles that he would he would point out usually I mean really good naturedly and you always look at it and you say oh wow yeah you're absolutely right and uh, things of that sort you just I mean learning under Bob and well Bruce and Emerson I just think I hit the lottery there for three mentors to, to learn from that's for sure that's, and one time I can't remember I was trying to call somebody and I was apologizing oh, I'm really sorry for 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 reaching out to you at this hour. He says, don't apologize, you're doing your job. They, they expect you to do your job. They expect you to tell the story. And so those things are just the ones that, they stick with you and they kind of just get ingrained, or ingrained into what you're trying to do and you realize you're, you're there to tell their story. He says, everybody has a story. I, the more I think about it, the more little edicts that he comes up with. He says, everybody in town has a story. But, you know, journalism now, and particularly in the newspaper industry, these are, these are interesting times. Um, what do you kind of see as the future of, of journalism? What do you predict as, as a successful way to navigate a society that's increasingly online? You know, and, and as yeah. Well, let me say a couple of things about that. Number one, I don't think too many papers in Southeast Canada in particular, and we're lucky because we do have someone in Susan, and I've wrote a few editorials, and I think you've written a couple or three or a few Richard, and you're perfectly capable. I think an awful lot of the papers in Southeast Kansas right now don't have anyone on their staff that's capable of writing thoughtful editorials. Um, you know, we don't, I don't know whether Hub Myers is still at Independence or not. I haven't seen the paper in a long time, or the, the Taylor guy at Caney, or of course, Reed down at Parsons has been gone for years. Brinkerhoff has been gone for years at Pittsburgh. The guy at El Dorado, whose name I can't remember. They were good editorial writers. Seton. Uh, 
at Wayfield. David Seaton now is, is in, in charge of But there. people like that, to write good editorials, I think it takes an exceptional, very bright and exceptional person to write editorials when you're in your 20s, maybe your 30s, because you haven't lived long enough to experience things. Um, of course, Emerson and, and Mickey, they traveled the world and that gave him such a broad view and opened up so many vistas that, that even I don't have. You know, I'm, I've been to Europe and Central America and whatever, but it's still just short trips. But, you know, that's how you learn is, you can't write about something you don't know about. And in order to write good editorials, you have to have life experience and you have to have the ability to do a lot of research. And you also have to have a keen mind. And Emerson was extremely bright. Susan's a very bright person. Um, I can say those things like I said before, but it don't work anymore. <laughs> but um, I think it, uh, Susan's on the right track, and I think you know when you take over, you'll be on the same track. And people want to read local news. They get all the, the state and national news they want. You know, we got what four, four or five or six or seven uh, 24-hour news channels on TV. Which I, in my opinion, is more show business than it is news. Infotainment. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's entertainment. You know, they're all about the ratings, and because they get the ratings, they get the advertising, and make the money. And I don't know if there's anybody that's worth twenty-five million dollars to sit up there and talk into a camera. But uh, that's another story altogether. <laughs> and I, I don't even know how I characterize myself politically. You know, I think we ought to feed people and help people. I uh, went to a church once, we had a lot of money in the bank, $300,000 or something, and I said, why don't we spend it and help people? That's the mission of a church, is to help people, not see how much money you score away, just in case we might need it someday. But, uh, you know, Beverly and I, we don't give to, a lot of things we give to our church, but she ate more than I. I don't. I kind of hate to say this because it sounds like I'm being immodest, but we've we've helped a lot of people over the years. You talk about your your politics. This is not really political, but I imagine, and I know I've spoken with different city administrators and mayors and council members, and I'll ask them a question about budget. And invariably, they may call Bob for the answer in terms of just, well, how does, how does school finance work? Let's call Bob. I don't, and then he goes, well, Bob knows more about this than I do, so you should just ask him. Well, that's just because I've dealt with it for so many years. And it's just a matter of not being scared, afraid of it. Um, just have, if you look through the budget, you can figure it out. And of course, I've done it so much that I, I know where to look now. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it, it scares me sometimes when I go to meetings and the people that are making decisions don't seem to know what they're talking about mm -hmm. as far as budgets. Uh, and it is a little complicated for somebody who just walks in off the street. Um, but if you look at them, you know, they're, and they'll, sometimes they kind of try to sneak things past you, but you can find those too. And if I ever regret, we probably should have dug into that stuff more than we did over the years, and that's my fault that we didn't as much as anyone. But 
what had the attitude of with government, police, and whatever to to try to get along with it the best I could. You know, police over the years would be some ticklish case. They said, "Could you wait a couple of days?" And I said, "Well, if it makes a difference in your investigation, I, that's okay. People don't have to know the minute it happens. You know, that's one thing that terror kind of irritates me with TV news too. They'll They'll call, they'll, they'll bring up somebody on the scene, well, what do we know now? Well, they don't know a damn thing, but they may, they don't necessarily make it up. They just rehash what they did, and they're trying to interview. I've never thought, wondered why they go, you know, three day houses down the road. Well, what do you think happened up there? Well, hell, they don't know any more than I do. But it's just show business. One of the things I'm curious about, you. I mean, you've written a, your co weekly column for so long on top of the other news reporting, are you going to start keeping a journal or just, are you still going to write? Eh, you know, may, I don't know. I've written so much. I've got so darn many hobbies. <laughs> I, you know, I collect tokens, I collect toys, I hunt arrowheads, I metal detect, I collect postcards. I, I practice You're going to be one of those busier now than you're going to be busier now in retirement than you ever were as a Well, you know, people say that, but I can usually find time to do what I want to do. My wife is awful. You know, we both, we spend a lot of, we spend a lot more time together, and I think she kind of worried her at first, but she seems to, she thinks it's okay. <laughs> you're okay after all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, we watch a little TD together every day and eat together and, if she's got something going on, I help her with her garden, or like us the other day, I helped her clean, uh, defrost her freezer, and it turned out to be more of a job than I thought it was. <laughs> but you know, she said, I'd like to have a, we, we drink too much diet, Dr. Pepper, but I, everyone else watched it, would you give me a doctor? I said, sure, I'd like to. So I run and get it for her. You know, it's only a few steps and it makes her happy. Yeah. I think the way to peak equilibrium in marriage is to think about the other person as much as you think about yourself. Alright. Well, thanks, Bob. Yeah, thank you so much sure. for taking time out of your schedule. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jam-packed, right? Yeah. Well, I was going to come up anyhow and finish cleaning up my nails. Registered is produced by the Iola Register. For more episodes, subscribe to Registered wherever you get your podcast. Just search Registered or find us online at iolaregister.com slash registered. To support our work, please consider subscribing to The Register. You can find out more at iolaregister.com slash subscribe. And thank you.